Well, I'm very thankful that all of you are uh, here today, especially our guests. Um, guests, if this is your first time here, we, we would like for you to come back and uh, get involved in all of the activities that we have here. You know, we, sometimes we don't say that enough, that, that we are. We're, we're welcoming to everyone who wants to participate in the life together that we have here and the different events and activities that we do. You are always welcomed. And I want to thank our, uh, our, our family members who are, who are back home. Everybody's back for the holidays, and we, we see some of our uh, uh, young people who've been off at school. I'm especially thankful that Tanner Robbins is here because uh, Tanner came up to me today, and he said, uh, hey, I took a preaching class this semester, and anytime you want me to preach, just let me know. And I said, what are you doing tonight? That's good. That's good. I believe he's going to do a great job. And if you'll be back here tonight at 6 o'clock, I want you to be here to encourage him. And, you know, in all seriousness, I think what you see here is you see the way that this community of believers encourages people, young adults, to use the gifts and talents that God gives them to serve the kingdom. It's what we want to do. Uh, it's what we want to do with uh, the young people of all ages and with the, uh, the old people of all ages. We want to encourage everyone to use those gifts and talents. We, uh, we have talented people who decorated this stage with these poinsettias. Uh, that's for the season. It also, these have another purpose, and I'll tell you about that at the end of the service today. But next Sunday, we'll have one time of meeting one ten thirty. no nine thirty classes no 6 p.m assembly we're just all coming together and meeting at ten thirty. oh i want you to be here i want you to if you're in town come it's we've done this before and it was so good christmas sunday and it will be good again and if you're one of our guests please come back and join us at ten thirty next sunday and if the kids are you know Sometimes they, you know, let's be honest, the little ones are like, you know, but, uh, you know, I just, I just opened Barbie Playhouse, you know, or whatever it is. And, and uh, well, bring Barbie, you know, she, she needs to go to church. Uh, and uh, not much hope for G.I. Joe, but don't, uh, the, uh, he's a little rough. Uh, but there's a rumor going around that, that, that I'm Santa Claus. I mean, this is actually starting in the fourth grade bunch. Yeah, did, oh, you started it, yeah. Well, you know, Santa's real name is Chris <laughs> Kringle. So, you know, next week you can lay that on them. Oh, just everybody's just so excited because Christmas, are you ready for this, kids? Christmas is a week from today. <laughs> hey, all right. Have you got all your stuff ready Grown-ups, are you ready? Everybody always asks the same question about it, don't they? Have you done your shopping? Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, That seems to be the first thing we focus on. Have you done your shopping? Now, I'm not going to give you some anti-commercial Christmas sermon here. Not at all, not at all, not at all. I want to just talk about, I mean, don't, don't get too ready for Christmas, okay? Because part of it is this, I mean, is this feeling of excitement that we're a week out and it's like something wonderful is coming our way. Just enjoy that. And if you're not ready, so what? You're getting ready. Hey, you know, it's that feeling of expectation. 
We are expecting. Now, if you use that same phrase in another context, we're expecting, it's like you're going to have a baby. You know, that's the polite way of saying pregnant. That's what I learned as a child because for some reason, you know, David mentioned that there's words that we don't use. Pregnant was one of those. If you said pregnant around my grandmother, she'd turn as red as a lobster, you know. Oh, you know. And, um, you know, but everybody was expecting. But there is that, why do we call it that? Because there's this idea of joy at some point out in the future, this hopefulness that goes along with it. I think it's appropriate. Because isn't Christmas traditionally supposed to be the celebration of the birth of our Savior, of our Messiah? There's an expectation. And we are expecting. You know, I'm I'm so proud of this congregation. Because you have so many gifts. And I think sometimes God's put me here, not because I'm gifted, but God has put me here to point out to you how gifted you are. You are some of the best proclaimers of the gospel. You are so good at this. You're thinking, what's he talking about? When did we do this? I'm just looking, I'm just, I've been thinking in preparation for this sermon of all the birth announcements that have gone out this year. Um, I got that wonderful card because baby McLean was born. It's like, it's just, I, I didn't even expect it, you know, but here's this card. A baby and it's like yes the day is here and, and then and I see all of you on Facebook you know and the stomachs are growing and everything and you know all these surprises and now we have a, a, a burger baby you know and uh, and and th- th- this is I mean all of this and you know what every time that happens you get excited and you start telling others about the birth folks That is what it means. That's the similar dynamic to declaring the gospel. The gospel is, and and it's it's in a, I'm going to use a big old word here, euangelion, okay? Which, Which we translate as gospel because it means a good proclamation, a good announcement. And in the ancient world, what it meant was, it meant, hey, we've got an heir to the throne. A child has been born. And let me tell you, that's good, because if you've got a good king, or a good queen, but if you've got a good monarch, and that monarch has a child, and now we have an heir to the throne, the hope is that he's going to be good. Because if not, if there's no heir to the throne, then guess what? All the no-count cousins and, you know, in-laws are going to start fighting over the throne. And that means they're going to come and conscript all of us peasants and fight in their silly war. We don't like that. But when you've got an heir to the throne, well, now we've got a a, a king, a deliverer, a rescuer, a protector. The birth of a child is a glad tiding, a joyous good news. So you're good at this, and you can do this. Luke's gospel, when you read those stories of the birth of Christ, oh, it is, I mean, they've gone all out in Luke's gospel. They've posted it on, you know, first century social media. 
which was the sky, okay? It was, uh, you know, <laughs> there's angels appearing in heaven. Shepherds are out in the fields. Angels show up. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got angels appearing. Gabriel, they've got names. They're bringing in the heavy hitters, the famous. You know, Gabriel, the, Gabriel is part, angels have their own celebrities, okay? And, 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 you know, if you're an angel in heaven and you've got a poster of someone on your wall, it's Gabriel or Michael, you know, and every other angel is like, you know, Gabriel's so cool, I want to be just like Gabriel. And so they're bringing these guys in to make the announcements in Luke and and uh, I mean, I mean, it's huge. It's 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 big. But Matthew, Matthew's off the grid. Matthew is downplaying it. When you look into Matthew's gospel, I mean, at first he starts off with a family tree. Luke does that, but before he does that, he reminds us what's going on. Matthew just starts right into it. Family tree. Here's all these names of peoples. You know, if Luke's story of the birth of the Savior is filmed in widescreen technicolor with 3D Lucasfilm special effects, Matthew's filmed in, Matthew's kind of a YouTube video. You know, it's a 4-3, it's, actually it's probably a little, it's probably in black and white and it's grainy. Because there's no glorious angel armies in Matthew. There's one angel. He doesn't even, we don't even know his name. Don't even see him. He speaks to Joseph in dreams. And here's Joseph. The, of all the people that you see in the nativity, I'm always drawn to Joseph. You know, because he's kind of an outsider in a way. Isn't that sad? I mean, in Luke, Mary. She receives a visit from the angel. She's going to become the mother of Christ. Everybody else shows up and visiting. Joseph is there knowing that the the woman he's betrothed to is going to have a child, and it's not his. Now think about that for a second. Don't you think that he pondered that at first? He did. That's what Matthew tells us. I want to read this text from Matthew. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Matthew says, now, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I got to pause right there. You don't expect divorce to show up in this story, do you? But Matthew says, oh, it was there. It was there. Here's Joseph, a good man. He wants to do the right thing by Mary, but he's got to do the right thing by the law, too. So there's got to be a way to, because she's she's pregnant. It's not his child. Wouldn't be right for him to marry her. He doesn't understand quite everything yet. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he did give the son the name Jesus, which means he saves. It's something that only an angel in a dream can deliver. The new reality, the unexpected. Mary's expecting a child, but what's unexpected is that this child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. That this is not just some other man's son, but this is the Son of God. And that the Son of God will enter into the world the same way that you and I have come into this world. If you're going to be flesh, that's the way you get here, is through birth. And this this birth, like any royal birth, is going to be announced. It's going to be proclaimed. But for Joseph, who's pondering this, the first thing he has to think through is, what does this mean? And the angel tells him, do not be afraid. You know, most other angels show up and they tell the people that they meet, don't be afraid. That's that's sort of angel uh, visitation lesson 101. You know, they're all in the meeting with the chalkboard, and he's like, okay, first thing you got to know is the human people, when they see us, they really get scared. So go ahead and say these words, do not be afraid. Because, I mean, angels are, are they, they, they've got the glory of God. I mean, I've never seen an angel. If I do, I'm probably going to be afraid. All right? Why? Because it's an amazing sight. All right. But Joseph's, Joseph is told not to be afraid, not because of the appearance of the angel, but because of the risk that he will take in taking Mary as his bride. That taking Mary as his bride means that he will choose to believe in the word from the angel that there's something godly going on here. And here's the thing. Joseph, I'm sure, because of the dream, is fully convinced that this is true. This is a revelation from heaven. But does everyone in their hometown know that? And if you've ever been concerned about other people talking about you, this is going to be one of those situations where you wonder, what do others say? What do they think? And this is one of those moments where Joseph has to convince himself All that matters is what God says and what God thinks. Joseph has to take a risk. And the angel tells him not to be afraid of that risk. You know, this isn't the first time in Joseph's family that it was a little uneasy to hear about the birth of a child. 
If you go back to that genealogy that we thought Matthew was just kind of wasting our time going through the, the opening credits, you know. Hurry up, Matthew, get to the story. Oh no. It was it's full of Easter eggs. I know it's Christmas time, but I mean it's full of Easter eggs, meaning that there's hidden truths in there. And you read through it. And there's the mention of um, Bathsheba. Yeah. Bathsheba, who was, who's named as Uriah's wife, that when she was married to Uriah, she had a child. And guess what? Uriah's not the father. Mm-hmm. And then there's Tamar. She's mentioned. Because Judah, who gives his name to the whole clan, Tamar has a child, and guess what? Judah is the father, and Tamar is not his wife. Am I being scandalous? I didn't write the Bible. It's right there, okay? Look in verse 19. Here's one that will pass by you if you don't mention it, but it's so important. There's mention of Ahaz. Ahaz was a king of Judah. The words of the prophet that were mentioned in the dream by the angel, those words were originally spoken to Joseph's ancestor Ahaz, a birth announcement. And Ahaz just writes it off as if it wasn't important at all. Nineteen generations before Joseph, almost 700 years earlier, And he writes it off. The prophet, by the way, is Isaiah. And and all of the nations in the time of Ahaz, King Ahaz, well, they're all gripped with fear, but Judah, which is this little yellow nation right here by the Dead Sea, and here's Israel. And once they used to be one nation, and they were hooked together, and then they had a civil war, they were divided, they broke apart. Judah in particular, that that, that little nation, is terrified. In the days of King Ahaz, 700 years before the birth of Christ, they're terrified. They're terrified because their tribe folk, their kinfolk, their cousins, their people up here in Israel with the capital city of Samaria, there's rumors that they have teamed up with this kingdom over here and they're going to come down here and they're going to just knock the stuffing out of them. Take it over. They want Judah for their own. And so Ahaz is terrified. He's worried. He's fearful. The people are fearful. What are they going to do? And God, who cares about Judah because he made a promise to Ahaz's ancestor David, says to his prophet, his spokesman Isaiah, I want you to take a good news. I want you to take a birth announcement to Ahaz. Because I don't want him to worry anymore. But Ahaz has another idea. Ahaz says, if I'm worried about these guys right here, you see this creeping in up here? That's basically all of this green out here. Yeah. Ahaz has a plan. He's going to go green. Yeah, and I don't mean be environmental. He's going to turn to the Assyrians. If you've got a bully picking on you, 
The way we handle it in my old school is get a bigger bully. And that's how you dealt with it. And that's Ahaz's plan. I'm going to get Assyria. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. But God is not excited about this plan because it's a deal with the devil. Ahaz has a plan. He has a quick fix. He's going to make this ally. It's going to solve everything. He's got this covered. He's a good king. God says, no, 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 no. This may solve your problem, but it's going to corrupt you in the long run. So Isaiah comes to Ahaz just like that unnamed angel came to Joseph, and he says, take a risk on God. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. The Lord speaks to Ahaz through Isaiah. There's Isaiah showing up with his own son. He's going before the king. He's saying, I've got a message for you. It's not my message. It's a message from the Lord. He says, ask the Lord your God for a sign. i got a break right here. Y'all understand, God's really not into giving signs. He doesn't like that typically. People ask Jesus for a sign. He goes, what sign do you need? What sign's going to make you believe? Usually God is not, he's like, "Uh -uh, I'm, I'm the one in control. This is such an important deal that God has authorized Isaiah to say, look, God's real serious about this. In fact, what sign do you want? Wow. God's willing to say to Ahaz, I'll give you a sign. Ask the Lord your God for a sign. Oh, whether it's in the deepest depths or the highest heights. In other words, nothing's too hard for God. Nothing's impossible for God. What do you want? Anything to show you that you don't have to worry about this and do not get into bed with Assyria. But Ahaz said, oh, I'll not ask. I'll not put the Lord to the test. Oh, Ahaz, he's so righteous. He understands. Besides, he's got Assyria. He's got it covered. They're big. They're horrible. We got this. Then Isaiah said, here here up. Here up, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? You ever wonder why Isaiah says house of David? Because he's reminding Ahaz, God made a promise to your ancestor. You You need to count on that, not Assyria. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. You didn't ask for it, but here's a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Ahaz is going to have a son. Ahaz is probably 20 when he becomes king. It's very possible that he does not have an heir to the throne. So if his enemies come in and wipe him out, that's it for the house of David. There is no heir to the throne of the house of David. But God says, no. And I know it says virgin. It can also be translated as young woman. You know, this this woman, and she, she was probably a virgin at the time. She's going to have a child. You're going to have an heir. And we're going to name that kid. And it's going to mean something to you. It's going to mean that God is with you. And guess what? He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. What does that mean? That means basically he's still going to be eating Gerber baby food. Okay? And not even very well. And it's going to be all over the high chair. Which is when a kid is small. Because it doesn't take them very long. And the next thing you know, they're... They're eating real food. 
But before that kid is that old, before he even knows what's right and wrong, the land of those two kings, those two nations that he's worried about, he says they're going to be flattened. Now there's the sign for you, Ahaz. Before that prophecy, before that sign that is freely given, he said to Ahaz, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you'll not stand at all. He's saying, take a risk. Trust in God. Your enemies are going to to fall. They're going to be wiped out. You're going to have an heir. You're going to have a child. Your throne's going to endure. Theirs will not. But Ahaz decides, well, it's a great offer. It sounds really good. But I really, really, I've got it covered. Ahaz starts talking to God like he's a telemarketer. You know when those telemarketers call you and they tell you things and they say, you know, hey, listen, how would you like an all-expenses trip paid to Disney World? It's not going to cost you a thing, and and we're going to provide everything you want. And and along the way, we're going to give you $100,000, and we'll give you a new car so you can drive down there. And the car flies, and... um, you know, and, and, and we'll take care of all of this. We'll give you, uh, we'll, we'll take you on a special tour to the Fountain of Youth, and, uh, and you'll never age again, and it's all for free. How does that sound to you? Well, I really appreciate it, but I think we've got it covered. Ahaz is treating God as if this is just too much, and he says, oh, well, you know, that's okay, but thanks for the kid, but Assyria's got my back on this. And this is why, before he goes into it, Isaiah says, Look, if you don't stand firm in your faith, then all the rest of it doesn't matter. You're not going to stand at all. It's not just enough for Ahaz to take care of the problem. He's got to trust in the solution that comes from God. And Assyria is not that solution. And they will pay. They will pay. Some people look at this and they say, hey, but guess what? Those nations didn't invade, so I guess God was wrong. I guess God had it all wrong, and in fact, Assyria invades Israel. No. There are consequences. For the generations to come, there are consequences. The the mistake of getting involved with Assyria causes consequences. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes people who think they're doing the right thing in the name of God... But they're so filled with their own ideas of what's right and wrong. And they're so worried about their own reputations. Like Ahaz is concerned about his reputation as king. As Joseph was about his reputation as a righteous man who followed the law. Sometimes even as we are worried about our reputation as church. And we want to do things in the name of church. We need to stop and ask first, are we doing things in the name of God? Are we stepping out and trusting in Him? Because if we don't stand firm in our faith, our trust in God, then we're not going to stand at all. If we rely on our own abilities, if we rely on our own institutions, on our own structures, and we don't see those things as signs and gifts and wonders given to us by God, then we're going to miss it. 
My hope for us is, is that we won't make the mistake of Ahaz, but we will do what his ancestor Joseph, or what his descendant Joseph does, and that is Joseph stands on his faith and he trusts. He takes the risk. You know, we worry about the future of the church. I think it's just sort of natural for us to do that. I did a wedding yesterday. I did a wedding yesterday for my niece, Emily. It was at the Center Street Congregation in Fayetteville, and that's, that's the congregation that sent that bus into that neighborhood. And there's my family who, we, we, don't, we don't have time to go to church on Sunday. We're not even really sure what it's all about. I don't know. But those, those good folks just showed up with that bus. And you know what? I'm sure, I'm sure back in those days, like it was everywhere, you had people, there were people telling them, I don't know for sure, but I, just, I wouldn't be surprised if there were people telling them, how much are we spending on the gas on that bus? How much are we spending? How much does the maintenance of that bus cost? You know, and we're bringing all those people in here. Well, I'm just thankful that someone was driving that bus and didn't listen to those people because he got my, my folks in there. And when they said, hey, can we take your kids? My mom said, can I come too? And then we got them, and, and, and so we're at that church yesterday, and we're having this wedding. You know, the, the next generation is being built right there. And right behind me is the baptistry, the same baptistry where my mother and father were baptized. And you know what? They, they, were, they, were, they weren't much older than the couple getting married. I think they were like 24 or 25 when they got baptized. And they probably struggled to kind of, you know, get involved and stuff. And later on, you know, when we moved out to the, to the sticks, you know, and we started going to a different church out there. And I'm sure there were probably times that people were saying, you know what, I don't know. Those young, that, that young family, they're in their 20s there. They just don't seem to get it. They don't seem to get it. They don't know what they're doing. And in fact, Someone said something like that to my mom, and that was it. She was done. She was done for about the next uh, 15 years. <laughs> All because someone told her that she had moved a box that she wasn't supposed to move and done something, you know. And I don't know. I don't know if it was rude or if my mom was just sensitive. But why get so upset about such a silly, careless thing? Good grief. And I'm sure people wondered, you know. I don't know about that next generation. People kept having babies. People kept raising kids. Kids started raising kids. You know, God's got the future of this church figured out, people. He's not sitting in heaven wringing his hands. Oh, no, what are we going to do? You know, next 20 years, everything's going to be done. Oh, they're not teaching those kids right. God just says, we'll just have more babies. That's what he's been doing all through the Bible. Somebody's going to get it right. We're going to get these kids there. My mother one day, I don't know where this wisdom came from, but she was telling me that story. I said, Mom, why don't you go to church anymore? And she said, well, someone spoke rudely to me, and you know, she told me this story, and you know, she was supposed to do something. Someone else asked her, but then someone else said that wasn't the thing to do. She kind of got triangled in the middle of a little fight. And I, and just, I think it was just my, my teenage ignorance and and lack of diplomacy and so when she said that i said yeah but mom the woman who said that harsh thing to you she's dead <laughs> she's dead so why don't you come okay you know i don't know probably doesn't really solve it but church i'm saying all this i'm telling you all this because you know god has got the future figured out i mean what we are is 
We're a people who every time there's a birth announcement, that is a kind of a gospel because it means we've got another disciple to teach about Jesus Christ. And those disciples are going to be faithful to Jesus Christ. We're going to teach them. We're going to, we're going to teach them. We're going to show them the way. And whatever happens to them along the way, I mean, they're going, oh, they're going to goof up, you know it. I mean, they won't be as lucky as you and I because we never messed up, did we? No. We never got it wrong. And you know, when we were babies and when we were kids, I wonder how many people were saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they got what it takes. I just don't know that they're going to. And look, here you are teaching the babies. Here you are spreading the gospel. God's got this figured out. Isaiah and Matthew are saying that our best hope is not found in a lot of intelligent experts who know how to do everything. And if we do everything just so and follow the plan just so, then guess what? We're going to secure everything for the next 2,000 years. He says their best hope is in little babies who don't even know if they're sticking their thumb or their big toe in their mouth. Because you were once just like that, and God's going to watch over all of us. And if we will stand in our faith, then we'll stand. Because God will make us stand. That's why a lot of the letters in the New Testament end, and they talk about God being the one who can make us stand. And now to Him who is able to make you stand. As we sing, everybody, everybody, please stand up. Everybody, please stand up. You're going to be tempted to build alliances and plans this week and in your life. Young people, you're going to be tempted to do that. Everybody's going to tell you that there's a way that you can do things and secure all your own future. Yes, there's things that each and every one of us need to do, but the first thing you need to do is stand firm in your faith. Ahaz did not do it. Joseph did. But if you'll stand in your faith, you'll stand. The church will stand. God's people will stand. Take that risk like Joseph did. God is able to make you stand. You stood up on your own two feet standing here now. But for your faith and for eternity, you trust in him to make you stand. We're going to sing this song now. And if you need to go and ask the shepherds to pray for you, there's a room with pews right back there. There'll be elders right down here. They'll pray with you. If you need to be baptized into Christ, let us know that. Let's sing this song. Ah.